Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, I'm joined by James from Gunnerblog, but as not always, you're in a very far away land, a magical place filled with sunshine yes extraordinary i'm in california where they have as you say sunshine and heat still in january i feel like i've escaped it's 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 very lovely i'll be honest with you well that's good Uh, you are a little bit uh, echoey but we'll we'll cope with that because i think the people the people uh people want to hear what you have to say even if you are even if you are very very far away well they can hear it twice now yeah the the news to start this particular podcast is that Gabriel Paulista has been granted a work permit by the Home Office, so all things going well with his medical, assuming they don't discover that he's got a broken back or a vestigial tail or something like that, it, it looks like it's all going to be done and dusted. Yeah, a new centre half on the way. How, how is it possible? Five, maybe. Yeah, how is it possible that we've done this with, with without much fuss? I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? Very strange. Also, the whole work permit thing seems interesting because it. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know if you can apply, kind of before the deal is done. But the club were always very, very confident, and Arsene Wenger effectively seemed to confirm it after the Brighton game, didn't he? He seemed to as, as, give it, as good as say that he would get one. Mm, maybe we've got some men working behind the scenes in the home office, moles deep undercover within within the the very vestiges of power of, yeah. of English society. We, we have those men in there. They can't do anything about the shit refereeing decisions that go against us, but they can get us a work permit for some dude. <laughs> well, that, that explains how Alex Song got one. Yeah. I got All those years ago. And Rio Miachi as well. Yeah. Special talent visa. Alas, poor Rio. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good news. I mean, I think I'd be lying if I said I'd seen too much of him, but everyone I've spoken to speaks very highly of him, and he seems to be having a good season with Villarreal. So, it, yeah, it looks like a very sensible acquisition. Well, you know, I think we're in this particular uh, moment in time where a new player is arriving at the club and everyone is completely and utterly confident that he is fucking awesome. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Nobody has got any doubts whatsoever. There's a few people who might be humming and hawing about him, but, you know, this is new player, new defender, central defender, ticks all the boxes, Brazilian. He's quite gnarly looking. He is not a handsome man. Brings a bit of fearsome um, um, gruesomeness to our back four. 
um, and everyone's thinking this is brilliant. So I think we should just sort of cherish these few moments before we even see him play properly, where he is probably the best defender in the world that nobody's ever heard of. I can't provide any evidence to the contrary, so I'll definitely go with that. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair enough. So, look, uh, he's going to slot into things uh, over the next week. I guess, uh, you know, he'll be staying in a hotel, but training with the team, getting to know his new teammates. Um, given that he's lived in Spain, there should be no problem with him uh, settling in with the, the Spanish speakers within the, within the, uh, the Arsenal squad as well. Mm, yeah, and a growing South American contingent as well. When you factor in uh, Alexis and a few others, I think I noticed on the pitch the other day we had six Spanish speakers, so that will go up another one now. I mean, I think he might get games sooner rather than later. He's although he needs to adapt to English football, that's only going to happen with him getting on the field. So, with fixture congestion, 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 yes, yes, congestion coming up in February and March, I think we'll see a, a fair bit, or a fair bit of him. Yeah, hang on. I should point out the go reason on, I can't speak. It's that it's six AM here, so you know I, I'm a little bit groggier than usual. Yeah, I, I think people should be appreciative of the fact that you've got up at six AM to to record a podcast. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's I, ludicrous to be honest yeah. with you. You're on holidays, and uh, um, you're getting up at six AM to record a podcast. So you know, I think I mean I need to examine my my life choices. Really, yeah, but I think all those people that call you a cunt really should reassess. <laughs> <laughs> how they think about yeah, things oh, I, do you know, that would be nice that would be come on folks uh, do you know what else though happy anniversary what? darling because this is podcast number 52 so it's our, our, our year's anniversary together in the in the podcasting oh, wow. realm uh, yeah, it was the the 27th of January was the very first one extraordinary so what's that is that tomorrow that's tomorrow yeah yeah uh, wow a year a whole Imagine. year. We've been quite consistent about it as well. If that was a marriage, that'd be good going. It would be, by modern standards. Do we knock it on the head now, do we? Yeah, no, we, we, well, let's get to seven years, so at least we've got that, you know, seven-year itch. Okay, yeah, You better, not, you better not give me anything that makes me itch, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, I'll pick something up out here. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got plenty to choose from. Um, right, well, look, let's touch on the football then. And yesterday in the FA Cup, I think um, w- we avoided, obviously, the, the shocks that happened to, to Chelsea. Let's, before we actually get on with that, with what Arsenal did, how funny is that, that what happened to Chelsea? Absolutely hysterical. I couldn't believe... It's not just Chelsea, though, is it? The whole day was just almost too perfect. Uh, I thought that maybe I was watching some sort of fictionalised version of it on Fox Soccer. I was like, I can't believe that this is real, what's unfolding. I had to check with people in England uh, that this was true. (laughs) Because it was Chelsea, obviously. I mean, that is completely hysterical. And having seen the goals back, the funniest thing about it is that Bradford just turned into this incredible team like it was like in space jam where the aliens steal the powers of all the basketball players you know they just <laughs> suddenly had this ability to play you know look like the invincibles or real madrid or something they were just taking them apart um, and then add into that spurs i think they conceded two in the last five minutes didn't they or something yeah and the uh, the second one was an absolute howler from the goalkeeper like, oh yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, ridiculous. Sort of threw it in his own net. And Manchester City, I, I can't explain that at all. I mean, Middlesbrough just did them on the break with it again. Their first goal was hilarious. You mm. know, it's sort of like bundled into the net. 
so yeah, just the whole day was fantastic. And I mean, obviously there was part of me that was laughing about it, thinking, right, but we better get our results done. <laughs> you know, we better not join with this. But fortunately, we we did just about manage it. We made it much much harder than it needed to be. I think. Yeah, maybe so. I think the thing about Manchester City as well is that perhaps uh, in hindsight they might think that fucking off to Abu Dhabi for a midweek friendly. Uh, was not the best preparation for an FA Cup tie. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I know there's been accusations of teams not taking the FA Cup seriously in, in, in the past, and I think that's particularly evident there with City that clearly they, A, didn't give a shit about the, the FA Cup, and, B, they just thought they'd turn over Middlesbrough anyway because... You know, they have the players supposedly to, to be able to do that. And uh, just before we move on to our game, I just want to laugh again a little bit at Bradford beating Chelsea. I thought, yeah, it's just too funny because you wouldn't you wouldn't um, you wouldn't put any money on any team in the Premier League doing what Bradford did. Not even Manchester yeah. City, I don't think. Two nil down at Stamford Bridge that doesn't happen stuff like that just doesn't happen so it was uh, it was pretty magical and of course the it's pain like they didn't know that you know yeah. they didn't know <laughs> the rules that once you're tuned out to Chelsea that's game over yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean to be honest our our defeat on penalties to Bradford a couple of years ago looks a lot more respectable now it certainly does and we had Gervinho then exactly we were playing with a significant handicap <laughs> so look yesterday 2-0 up after I don't know what it was, half an hour or something like that, um, uh, and pretty much cruised cruised through the first yeah. half. So let's let's uh, take the first half. Uh, the opening two minutes, Theo Walcott scores a goal. Fantastic goal from Theo. Really good goal. Just you know, Chambers did well, I thought, to get to the byline, mm-hmm. and then it's just a, one of those instant control, instant hit sort of thing. That I mean, I guess that sums Walcott up, doesn't it? When when he doesn't have time to think ball ends up in the back of the net when mm. the ball's at his feet and he's got a bit more time to dwell on it there can be problems uh, and the second goal then beautiful setup from Thomas Rosicki but I don't think the the control uh, the take the touch with the right foot onto his left foot again from Esed Ozil has got quite enough credit um because I thought that was I thought that was absolutely sensational you could think of players that would have received that pass from Rosicki and not made it look anywhere near as easy or it could have bounced off them anywhere. Um, but a great goal from him. Yeah, three touches, and they were all immaculate, really. I think, like what a lot of Ozil does, it was done without too much fuss, which is maybe why it hasn't generated more comment. But a very, very good pass, a very good finish. And I thought, I mean, Brighton obviously had a plan to sit off us in that first half, and it, it backfired because we were very, very confident in possession. Uh, and might have scored one or two more, maybe. Mm. Um, so I, I think what we were looking for, maybe in that game, because this was a first start for Mesut Ozil, and it was Walcott's um, mm. one of his few starts since he's returned back from from injury, was for both of them to make an impact. Uh, and clearly, they both did that in terms of uh, what they contributed to the scoreline overall. How did you feel both of them did? I thought they were sort of um, they're very different players in that I think Ozil Ozil was solid you know he was sort of consistent throughout the game he used the ball well as you'd expect he made that one very telling contribution by scoring the goal and I think so generally he was solid what you want is to see him uh, maybe more involved in more crucial moments several times throughout the game Walcott's kind of the opposite in that he 
was involved in some big chances, some some interesting attacking moments, but Jet, but some of his all round play wasn't as good. You know, his mm. his passing was a little bit off. Some of his decision making. Um, so I think they've both got a way to go, but but promising signs certainly. I think it was a reminder for me that you know Theo has been out for a year, and sometimes you forget. You remember what he's good at, but you don't always remember what he's not great at. Uh, and I think he's a tremendous attacking weapon, but he's not someone who contributes enormously to kind of the overall passing style of the, of the team, maybe. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, would that then mean that the two of them can kind of offset each other? Because Ozil is a ball hog. He loves to be on the ball, can use it a lot, and... Uh... Uh, and obviously Walcott is pretty instinctive when it comes to getting him behind. His pace is obviously uh, a brilliant weapon. Finishing is generally pretty good. O- obviously, in the last couple of games since his return, he- he's been a bit rusty. And, and uh, uh, I think he blew some of those cobwebs off with his finish uh, yesterday. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, they they do complement each other quite well. Uh, and they're two players who've barely played together for Arsenal, and it's something we've all been waiting to see. Mm. What did you make of Ozil uh, playing on the left-hand side? I know that a lot of people thought that when he came back, he'd maybe be used more through the middle. Um, yeah, well, how do you think he got on out there? I thought he did all right, to be honest. Um, you know, I never thought... I think people have made Ozil being on the left into something that it's not quite... Um, that isn't quite what it is. Except in good English. Um, You know, I think everybody would accept that Ozil is better centrally, that it suits his game better. I think even Arsene Wenger says, I prefer him centrally. But I don't think playing him slightly out to the left where he's got license to roam inside and even switch wings uh, is really... Uh, stifling him a huge amount you know I think that people looked at that as one of the reasons why the team failed to click in the early part of the season and and perhaps there there was more to it than that Um, I mean I think he's got to really play very very well to get that place in the centre because of how well Santi Cazorla is doing but I don't think it's taking him out of his comfort zone in any way you know, I think he's more than capable of playing there. I think he's more than capable of making a contribution, as we saw yesterday with a goal. I mean, he was he was essentially a striker for that for that move. He was there picking the ball up in the box where you would expect uh, a Giroud or a Welbeck to be. So it's not like it's stifling his uh, ability in any real way. So, yeah, uh, I think he did. I think he did okay out there. And I, as you say, he had a lot of freedom to move. Mm. You know in this era of heat maps, I suggest that his would probably end up with him somewhere towards the middle. Mm. Um, do you think either he or Walcott will be in the starting eleven for Aston Villa next week? Uh, I think it would depend on who's available for the right-hand side, whether Oxlade-Chamberlain is available. But, mm. you know, you could easily put Alexis on the right-hand side and, and Ozil on the left-hand side. I don't know. I, I, like, I like the fact that it's not easy to to figure out or to try and predict who we're going to play anymore uh, in the forward positions. You know, I think yeah. Yeah, with Ozil back, with Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, you know, there thereabouts, we'll have Giroud, we'll have Welbeck, we'll have Alexis, we'll have Ozil, uh, Santi Cazorla in there. You know, I think it's, it's very interesting to see how that's going to play itself out and how it's going to balance itself out and which players are going to rise to the challenge and if those players rise to the challenge are the ones who are going to be left on the bench are they going to are they going to like hit back with their own performances you know I think it's a very healthy situation 
Yeah, I agree. It's not a problem. Mm. Mm. Uh, and in some ways, Arsenal can sort of choose game by game, can't it? You can look at the opposition and think, well, who's going to hurt them most and make a selection based upon that? Yep, yep. Um, so, look, second half then didn't go quite as well as we would have liked because, obviously, we conceded early. Mm. Um, not great defending. No, not great. Not great. Um, Bachelor Flamini came in for a lot of stick, didn't he? But I think even before that, we might have done better. Yeah, I think Chambers could have done better. Um, you know, I, I don't see any... So even Chesney getting some stick for the first goal. I don't see any fault of Chesney there. The ball just crept in at the near post and, you know, uh, the, yeah, there was I mean, nothing he could Chesney do about is, that. I mean, he wasn't I, convincing I at all, was he? But, you know, I, I don't think it was at fault for either goal. No, I mean, the, the problem is that there is this sort of curious statistical anomaly whereby his number of shots him to goals ratio is incredibly high. Uh, I think it's the highest in the Premier League or something. Mm. And unfortunately, yesterday did little to arrest that statistic. You know, people have shots and they just fly in. And I don't think he is personally at fault. Like, I don't think he should have saved either goal necessarily. But it doesn't, it just doesn't count well in his favour, I think. Yeah. And I, I don't think he'll keep his place based on that. No, he will. He will for the cup games, but not. He won't come back into the into the league side. Uh, then we got a goal to make it three one from Thomas Rosicki, who was just absolutely outstanding. Um, one of those performances that makes you wish he was five or six years younger. Oh, I mean, at least it's unbelievable. What I was thinking about Rosicki is that there've been a lot of players or midfielders certainly who've enjoyed these kind of golden you know, sunset periods of their career, people like Frank Lampard or Ryan Giggs. But in those cases, they've had to adapt their game quite dramatically in order to do that. Rosicki, it feels like he hasn't had to change his, his, his game at all. He, he plays as energetically as he ever did, if not more so. Mm. He's charging around the pitch. He's thrown you know, slide tackles into his game that weren't necessarily there a decade ago. He's harrying people like never before. Whether or not he can do that twice a week is a different matter entirely. But yeah. for those 90 minutes, he's as fresh as anyone out there. Yeah. I mean, I thought, um, you know, obviously the assist and there was the goal, an absolutely fantastic volley with the, the little reverse pass uh, in the build-up to that, which was mm. which was something he was doing pretty much all day. Um, it was interesting afterwards, Theo Walcott said, um, yeah, he does that all the time in training. He gets me every time. Every, yeah, thinking, come on. I like Theo. that because it made me think: <laughs> Is that when Theo's on the opposite side to him in the in the in the little five sides, or when he's on the same side? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's I a good question. Rosicki constantly trying to play Walcott in, and Walcott being like, "What? what? What's going on?" What I told you you were you were looking over there, man. What's yeah, <laughs> how am I supposed to know? Um, yeah, I mean, it comes back to this thing about football years, doesn't it? Thomas Rosicki wants to say, "Well, my football age is." two years younger than my real age. Mm. I don't know if that holds true. Someone tweeted me to say that that's actually quite a commonly held thing in the NBA. You know, when they're assessing a, a potential acquisition, they'll look at how many years they've actually been competing, you know, regularly, because it takes a greater toll on the body than, you know, the, the pure number of your age. Sure. And so maybe there is an element of that, you know, he's, he's still got plenty of gas left in the tank, but it's a joy to behold, and it... I don't know, was leaving him out for the first half of the season a, a clever ploy from Arsene Wenger? 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to... I, I think he found it difficult to know how to fit him into the team with um, with Ozil, with Alexis, with Cazorla, with Welbeck. You know, I think he found it a bit difficult. And at the time, of course, he had Ramsey fit, he had Wilshire fit, uh, Cazorla. You know, I, I think he just found it difficult to fit him into the team. I mean, injuries have helped for this yeah. in that respect. You know, but I mean, he created he, the opportunity. Yeah. But what I like about him is that he's come into the team after not being a part of things, and some days he didn't even make the squad. Uh, but he's come into the team and and just got his head down and performed and contributed in a big way. Um, and I think I think that's just a real testament to his. I know it's his experience. You know, maybe a twenty-year-old or a twenty-two-year-old wouldn't respond in quite the same way. They might get the hump, and Rosicky knows that. You know, he's he's heading towards the twilight of his career. But it's still fantastic to see him go out there and do that, especially when you consider that he's actually two hundred and thirty-eight in dog years. <laughs> exactly. So there's some Benjamin Button shit going on. Mm. But I think uh, let's let's lay it out. I mean. How high up the pecking order is he for you? If you're picking an Arsenal team, you know, when you factor in guys like Aaron Ramsey, Jack Wilshire, where does Rosicki sit in relation to them in your mind? I, d- I don't know that he's necessarily a first 11 guy when everyone's fit. That's the thing. I mean, mm. he's, a, he's a. I love watching him, and he's a fantastic player. But if you were to, like, put it down on paper, you know, what's the best 11? I'm not sure he's necessarily in it. Because it's hard to tie down what is exactly his best position. Because he can be played through the middle. He can be played deeper in the midfield, the number 10. He can play wide uh, on the right, wide on the left. We've seen him do a job there. So I think perhaps his versatility goes against him a little bit, you know? But I I, I I think he's just a great player to have in the squad. And if there are young players at Arsenal who are watching the senior pros to figure out how it is that they ought to condition themselves and how they ought to behave and how they ought to play the game itself. They can't be looking much further than Thomas Rosicki to have a brilliant example of, of, of how to do that. You know, With that in mind, would you be thinking about offering him a, a new deal come summer? Uh, yeah, let's I see. I think what... he's due to go. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, time waits for no man, and he's 34 now. When when's his birthday? So, I think he. I think he is. I think it's October. Right. So he'd be 35. I think so. Yeah. In October. Yeah. So it depends on what he wants to do because at that age he might want to go somewhere where he could play on a regular basis, perhaps at a slightly lower level. Uh, I know there was yeah. talk about him moving to yeah, MLS, one, uh, yeah. uh, and he turned down, from what I'm told, big offers to go to MLS this summer or last summer in summer of 2014 to stay with us. Um, you know, he doesn't look like a guy whose physical attributes are on the wane. No. And so, look, maybe if you can convince him that, look, you're, you're not going to play every week, but you'll play enough he'd be a guy whose experience and quality would be fantastic to have around. But I think you also have to bear in mind that at 34, going on 35, if he could go somewhere where he could play every week for two years, he might feel that that's, you know, that's the thing for him in the final years of his career. So it's a difficult one. It is a difficult one, but what we do know is he's got a great relationship with the manager. So, Mm. I'm sure they'll probably be able to wait on that and have a frank discussion about it at the end of the season. It's funny because a couple of months ago, 
we were answering questions on why Rosicky wasn't getting a look in and was you know people talk Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. About him potentially being finished at Arsenal and now he's shown what a key component of the squad he can be. It's funny how football does that to you. I mean, we've, we've been discussing Francis Coquelin in, in much the same yeah. way. So um, it's, it's hard to predict, isn't it? really is. Yeah difficult to write anyone off all right well look we're going to hope for a, a good draw in the in mm. the fifth round which takes place later on today that's happening this evening i think so we'll keep fingers crossed for a good draw obviously there's no chelsea or spurs or man city sorry i just want to laugh at that again so what we'll do is we'll take a break now we'll be back with some of your questions in part two Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. It's quieter in this particular half because James has moved away from where there was the noise. That was the yeah, cooling was, noise. It was the cooling noise, cooling me down from all the all this heat I'm enduring. The, the, your, the, your gills, they're very noisy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the part of the show where we answer your questions sent to us on Twitter at Arsblog and at Gunnerblog. And uh, seeing as you're the, the guy on holiday who's got up really, really early to uh, to do a podcast, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That's so kind. Okay, let's go with this. This is from uh, Cathal Groom, uh, at Cathal Groom. And he asks... Cathal? Does the low... Cathal. C-A-T-H-A-L. Cathal. Cathal. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Is it Irish? It is. I should have known any preposterously spelt name. Um, right, okay. Carl, sorry about that, mate. So he asks, does the loaning Campbell on top of Sonogo and Podolsky... Oh, wow, his grammar's Irish as well. Does the loaning Campbell on top of Sonogo and Podolsky leave us short up front if injuries hit? I've, I've, I've sort of smoothed that question out as I went. Nicely done. Um... I, you know, we we just spoke in the previous uh, half about all the options that we have for the uh, for the top end of the pitch. Um, I think if you look at the the wide areas, we've got Walcott, we've got Oxlade Chamberlain, we've got Alexis, we've got Ozil, we've got Kazorla, we've got Rosicky, um, and now Serge Gnabry is back as well. He's in training, and and that was a question that I was going to put to you about whether or not Campbell's departure. I had something to do with uh, Serge Gnabry coming back. 
Um, so I think we're, we've got plenty of options there. And then when you look at the, the, the two main striking positions, we've got Welbeck, who's still out injured, and Olivier Giroud. So if we are short perhaps one position, it's maybe the, the centre-forward position rather than the wide position. I never saw Campbell as, as somebody who was going to play as centre-forward, did you? No, no, not start through the middle. I couldn't see that. What about Chuba Akpom? Yes, indeed, Chuba Akpom. Yeah, he's the backup then. Okay, so I think we've got plenty in terms of numbers. I don't see him making any more moves in the in the transfer market, do you? No, I mean, that was another question someone uh, sent in. I think it was uh, Joy Jitgua said, with Campbell moving to Spain, do you think Wenger's going to buy another striker? No. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I mean, he's he's got a real multitude of options up there. And I think Nabri you mentioned, or Gnabry, and Akpom are probably factors in this decision. Mm. I think Akpom's contract situation is very delicate. He's got a matter of months to run, and it's one of those where you sort of feel if he was going to sign a new one, it would have happened before now, from what I understand. He's sort of feeling, well, you know, am I going to make a first-team breakthrough here with all these players ahead of me? Mm. So it seems that Arsene is trying to involve him a little bit more regularly to try and convince him that he's got a long-term future with the club, but he'll be aware that that's all part of the negotiating process. I I don't know if he's going to sign an extension or not, but Mm. if we want him to, involving him is key. And then uh, Nabry, yeah, I mean, you know, that's someone who can play wide left, wide right, the same as Campbell. I don't know what he's really been injured with, do you? Gnabry. Yeah. It was his Gnabry. Uh, of course. A vicious canoe attack. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, a knee problem, as far as I'm aware. Right. Okay, it was all very quiet, though, wasn't it? Very mm. suspiciously quiet, that Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. But, they um, flew under the radar a bit, that one. I mean, I guess we have so many injuries, it's difficult to keep track of them all. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> they need to keep yeah, some so element of mystery to what's going on, you know? Exactly, yeah. Keep physioroom.com guessing a little bit. But... Uh, yeah, and, and and as for Campbell, I don't think he'll be back, really. Do you? I'd be surprised, but then as we as we spoke about, you just never know, do you? The Coquelin effect. The yeah. Coquelin thing could kick in. You ju- you just do not know. I mean, if he goes to Villarreal and scores a load of goals, then it might make the manager think, okay, well maybe this is a this is a guy that's a good option to have. But I I think it would take something like that from him, like he'd need to score. 10 goals between now and, and the end of the season for Arsene Wenger to really change his mind about him. And also, I think, it, is it telling maybe that, you know, in the case of Yaya Sanogo, Wenger was so insistent that he should move to a Premier League club on loan. Hmm. And now, admittedly, the Campbell deal has been part of the negotiations for Gabriel Palista, but it seems pretty relaxed about letting him go to La Liga, which isn't necessarily the best thing for his Arsenal career. So... I just don't really see that Wenger rates him in the the long term as part of the squad. Mm, I would tend to agree with that. All right, here's another question. And this comes from AOM at Forza Manzora. And he says, uh, did Koss look a bit shaky to you on the right at Brighton? Is he a specialist on one side like Purr? I think not quite as much as Purr, but I I think the lesson there is just that all centre backs most centre-backs have a preference as to which side they play on. And if anything, I think it casts some of Mertzacker's struggles this season into a, a, a kind of light because you saw that even Koscielny, who's sort of always heralded as the great saviour of our 
defence when surrounded by unfamiliar players and put in an unfamiliar role mm. did look a wee bit shakier. Yeah, I think um, that's a great point because, uh, you know, consistency of selection uh, of the back four was what made us as effective def- defensively last season. That we had a, go- a goalkeeper, Chesney, behind the same back four almost every week. And the, the outcome of that, despite those games where things went really wrong, was a much better defensive uh, unit, a much better uh, team that's much more defensively focused, a goalkeeper that that uh, shared the golden glove with, uh, with Petr Cech for the most clean sheets. And, you know, uh, this season we haven't had that. And I think perhaps the effects of that are, 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 are evident in Chesney as well. You know, that, yeah, that, so. that he's, he's perhaps struggled a little bit. And I think Koscielny struggled a little bit yesterday as well. Um, made some mistakes that you wouldn't expect from him. But then he's probably never played with Monreal at centre-half before. And has never played on the right-hand side of the defence with Chambers outside him before. So, um, yeah, I think, that's, uh, I think that's a great point. I think, yeah, it all makes a difference. It was quite, there were a couple of occasions where Koscielny was a little guilty of overplaying at, at Brighton, I thought, you know, trying to do a little bit too much inside his own box. But, you know, it's, it's hard to be too critical of him, given given the circumstances. I think that's one of the things that's exciting about the potential signing of Gabriel Paulista, which seems to be imminent, is that from the little I know of him, he's a relatively versatile player in that he's played uh, left-back a little bit this season. He's predominantly played as a right-sided centre-half, but uh, apparently Brazil played on the left of a back three quite frequently. So hopefully he's someone who can offer, a, you know, be a potential partner for both Mertesacker and Koscielny, which would definitely ease some of our, mm. our problems with rotation it, at the back. Do we know, is he right-footed or left-footed? I think right-footed. OK. Uh, but I'm only about 80% on that, so, you know, don't quote me. All right, I won't. I was going to, but now Please I won't. don't quote me. Whatever you do, I won't. Do not quote me. I don't want to see any quotation marks. Um, hey, listen, on, on the defensive issue, we'll have another question. Yeah. Uh, this one is from blah, 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 German Gunnar. Where uh, is he from? And they, I have no idea. Right. No idea, it doesn't say. And they ask, who do you think our back four would rather have in goal behind them? Chesney or Ospina? Uh, I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I think um, you know the the four uh, three quarters of that back four. I was trying to work out my fractions there. <laughs> uh, three yeah, quarters of that, that that back four last season uh, did pretty all right with Chesney behind them. So yeah, you know, I don't I don't think they would necessarily have a preference. I I think it's more down to consistency of selection of, of the defenders. Um, you know, I think Ospina has come in and done well. Uh, he seems to communicate well. You know, again, we could suggest that this is a healthy situation for us to be in because at the start of the season, there's no doubt that Chesney was the established number one goalkeeper. And had he played to the right level, then Ospina would be sitting on the bench. But he hasn't played as well as he should have. And the consequence the consequence of that is that he's lost his place to Ospina, who knows that he's got to perform to a high level to keep Chesney out. So I don't think it matters a huge amount, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't know if they would have a prefer- preference. Maybe they might like 
some elements of what Chesney does in terms of dominating the area with high balls and Ospina is seems more a, a Fabianski type who stays on his line um, more than Chesney but I, I don't know I mean look whichever goalkeeper plays best or is playing best or is in the best form can play and the guy who isn't playing well can sit on the bench and I think that's probably the way it should be in every position uh, throughout the team no? Yeah no I agree with that I think I do slightly wonder if you know Chesney I think Chesney's a great goalkeeper but he does give me the odd heart in mouth moment that I'm yet to have had from watching Ospina I think that's partly just lack of exposure I'm sure he's got it in his locker he's an Arsenal goalkeeper after all but I do wonder if maybe that permeates to the defence around him is it you know, he's such a calm guy Ospina does that have an influence on the back four I mean, only time will tell, really, but mm. I do wonder if that might prove to be a factor in, yeah. in Arsenal's thinking. Um, Greek in the Arsenal, just while we're on this, uh, mm. G underscore bangers asks, um, Koscielny and Gabriel supposedly have similar playing styles, so is it likely to be one or the other to partner Mertesacker, or is it a case that you know we could play the, the two of them together, um, remembering that Koscielny and Vermaelen wasn't necessarily the greatest um, uh, partnership we ever had? Yeah, I don't know. God, I forgot about that, Koscielny and Vermaelen. It should have worked on paper, and yet it was pretty much a disaster, wasn't it? I think um, I think that he's more obviously a like-for-like for, like for Koscielny in style, from what I've seen, but also because Koscielny's the guy who is the injury risk, really. He's the one who we need to manage most carefully. Uh, I think it's... You know, it's telling that Mertzaka got a rest at Brighton because he's played so much football that we really just had to give him one sooner rather than later. Um, but I think that predominantly Gabriel Pellista has been bought so that you know we can use Koscielny a bit more sparingly. Yeah. However, hopefully, hopefully they can all rotate. I mean, it'd be nice if uh, mm. we had genuine flexibility back there. But central defence is so about partnerships that in some ways that's quite unlikely isn't it that yeah. each, each configuration will be as successful as the other yeah alright have you got another what question uh, what do I think um, I would I would imagine that he's trying to find a defender who can play with both of them hmm. that would be my thinking that one of the reasons why it's not just go out there and find the first defender you see is that you need to ensure that uh, this guy can, can partner both Mertesacker and Koscielny. Um So, yeah, I, I don't see it being one or the other. I mean, it's not as if Per has to be the mainstay. You know, per plus one, it's not, it's not that clear cut, you know. I think um, as we're talking about competition for places, it should be, it should be uh, whichever two are, are performing well together. And I think it would be a bit wrong or ridiculous to go out and buy a central defender who can only play effectively with one other player if that makes sense yeah yeah and also I think you know we talked a lot about the sort of defender we thought we might buy and I think I don't know as you say we haven't necessarily seen loads of this guy but I think it's exceeded a lot of our expectations in that he's someone who's come in at a level and with a price tag that suggests he is there to compete with Koscielny and Mertzaka. He's not someone who's going to be happy as just a backup. So I think that competition that we've got at the top of the team, if we can replicate that in defence, that, that'll be a healthy thing. Yep. All right, go for it. Have you got another, another question? One? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Okay, Steve Moore, he asks, Steve Moore 4116, 
Which one football pundit would you choose to two-foot into oblivion? <laughs> a reference there to... Uh, Phil Neville. I, I believe Phil Neville. I didn't see it, obviously, but apparently he said he would have two-footed Rosicki. Yeah, he, he went on to say that it was a joke, and I'm, I'm sure he didn't mean that he would actually two-foot him, but I think when you're... When you're a, a football pundit, you would do well to choose your words more carefully. Um, yes, particularly, remember Alan Pardew on Match of the Day with smoking some ridiculous... Do you remember that? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Essien. I mean, they do come out... I mean, the, the pressure of live TV is significant. You know? No, I guess that. a lot of things in this void that <laughs> I wouldn't want aired. That's true. All the bits that we could add, if only people could hear. But uh, Oh, God. No, but, uh, you know, I think the, the thing about it is, you know, you're being paid a lot of money. You're trying to talk about the game in a positive way and, and perhaps, I don't mean set an example to, to people watching or kids or any of that namby-pamby hand-wringing stuff, but I think, you know, to say I would have two-footed him even if we get what you what you mean you know, you would have given him a bit back um, it, you should choose your words better, but listening to the game yesterday on uh, on BT Sport Robbie Savage when Chambers mm. put in the cross for the first goal, his his entire analysis of that situation wasn't great play from Chambers. It was how the Brighton defender should have put Chambers into uh, Rosette. That's what he said. That's that's what Brighton should have done, is put the put the Chambers into Rosette. What was it? Uh, hang on a second. I have it here because I think I tweeted it at the time. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Here it is. Uh, okay, no, here it is now. Um, I'm mm. uh, sure I have it. Oh, yeah, Robbie Savage's advice to the Brighton defence, do a professional foul. That was the whole thing. And at halftime, Steve McManaman was the same. Uh, he, he he advocated what, what they needed to do. I, I understand how um, you need to be aggressive i understand how you need to get stuck in for for uh, want of a better phrase that a mm-hmm. team should be competitive right that you want to you want to be physical in a game absolutely but McManaman was going on about how they should clatter the arsenal players that was how he felt that brighton should cope with what was going on not that they should be more physical not to, to actually advocate violence against the other team it's the same with what savage was playing you know take him out all this kind of uh, phraseology and neville is part of that and what it speaks to is the mindset of these people who are trying to analyze the game that it's not a case of um use your physicality in a fair way or make it more difficult for him. It was actually talking about committing acts of violence, like I would two-foot him or I would smash him. You know, these these kind of words are what leads to the kind of tackles which do players serious and sometimes irreparable harm. So I think there's a responsibility on people who are uh, broadcasters or being employed by broadcasters, even the broadcasters themselves, to use the right kind of language when you're talking about a football match. And that kind of language is not is not acceptable, I don't think. Because it just think, shows you yeah. up as being like, you, you, you've got nothing to say about the game or how to play the game beyond it being a physical contest uh, and through through foul means you might be able to even the playing field. So to answer the question about who I would two-foot, I wouldn't because I'm not going to stoop to that level. But, you know, I really do think that some of them ought to be taken aside and spoken to about 
you know, uh, the, the way that they talk about the game. And if you have somebody like Robbie Savage, for example, who, who, uh, who has got little to add to anybody's knowledge of the game, then you've got to, mm. you've got to question what's he doing on the TV screens. He's a personality, not one to my taste, has to be said. But, you know, um, may, maybe some people like him because he's a bit of a Jack the Lad or, you know, what have you. But I just think it's a bit um, it's a bit off the way that they spoke about the game yesterday. And, and, and maybe I'm just ranting on a bit here. So No, no, I think it's a, a rant. There was a lot of uh, truth in it. I think it's true. I think it's good. Well, I'll tell you what, I won't stoop to that level either. I won't use two-foot language. But I would gladly kill Robbie Savage. <laughs> Let's, let's put it like that. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not um, descend into. Um, I won't descend to that level. No, I would. You would kill him and murder him. Yeah. Well, all right then. Okay, here's <laughs> moving on, and maybe we'll make this the last one because you're on holidays, and it is you know we we need to let you get down to the beach and okay. surf and and uh, stuff. You well, going surfing things. or? No, no. I mean, I would. I'm not. I'm not well disposed to that sort of physical activity. I mean, it would definitely result in an injury of some description. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll look at other people surfing. Yeah. I'll Instagram it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's the final question. And just try and get a little bit closer to the mic because you're far away now. Um, oh, okay, sorry. That's all right. Um, this one comes from Popsy73, who wants to know, will my crush on Alexis ever subside or is he to be added to the LeBob, Charlie, Nick and Rocky list? I think he is. I think that's his destiny, to be honest. Um, it's it, you know he's got everything, hasn't he? He's got the body. He's got a he's got a superb haircut that is completely immobile. You know, whatever. The, all it's an all weather haircut. That when it <laughs> rains, it looks exactly the same as when it's dry. Uh, and he's it's just he's a very winning character, isn't he? I I, I empathise. I feel much the same, to be honest. Yeah, the man crush is significant. Uh, yourself well i mean i i can i'm trying to speak for popsy 73 here and i i think it is true love and it will last through the ages like um romeo and juliet that didn't end badly at all did it no i don't no, think so that, that no, wasn't bad. Anyway. no no it was all about the love and not the the double suicide thing <laughs> what's what is more romantic than double suicide absolutely absolutely um, I yeah I don't know I, I hope it doesn't end in heartbreak as as some of these some of these particular affections have in the past but I, I think you know that's that's love isn't it you take risks yeah you take gambles yeah <laughs> we're all gambling on you Alexis don't you know don't hurt us yeah he's just got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them absolutely basically. yeah. All right. Look, we're we're going to leave it there because it's uh, it's heading towards late afternoon here, and people are already crying out for their Arscast extra fix. So thank you, thank you, James, for for getting up really early on your holidays and, and giving the people what they want. Hey, it is a pleasure. I'm going to go and have breakfast now. Pancakes, side of bacon, yeah, maple syrup, all of that, all of that. McDonald's, <laughs> yeah, for afters, yeah. yeah, for dessert, breakfast dessert. Exactly. All, All right. right. Look, hopefully we'll do this again next week. I'll be in a different part of this curious country. Um, Where are you going to yeah, be next week? <clears throat> next week I will be Santa Barbara, I think I'll be at this time. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll speak then. Yeah. I'm sure they've got Wi-Fi there. They do, yeah. Santa yeah. Barbara Streisand, she controls it, so 
She's she's the boss. Yeah, you can just get a card off her. As on your <laughs> I mean, way into town. I would town. have been to Las Vegas in the interim, so I may, you know, have sort of sold everything I own, including this computer. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. That's a good place to pick up some of those diseases we were talking about earlier as well, the itchy ones. Well, we can do a sort of show and tell next week. (laughs) I look forward to that. Uh, Enjoy enjoy your holiday, and we'll chat to you on next week's Arscast Extra. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.